Hi, this is Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. I hope you're doing well as you tune in, and I thank you for tuning in. Today at St. Peter's in Skokie, it is Sunday, February 9th, 2020. Our sermon title is Being Salt. Dan Gunther is our lector, and as you might guess when you hear the gospel reading, that's the focus scripture. Uh, But we will have three scriptures this morning, and uh, may you be blessed as you listen to this, as I'm blessed in preaching it. Our first reading is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 112, called a wisdom psalm. It contrasts the fate of the righteous and the wicked. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously in land, who conduct their affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They are distributed freely. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. This ends the reading from the Psalter. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It is a continuation of Paul's conversation about human wisdom and God's wisdom, where he wrote such things as, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Here he refers to when Paul was first among them. When I come to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not 
have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within. So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed to us by God. This ends the reading of 1 Corinthians. Our service continues on with an anthem. In a past sermon, I said that since I was a kid, I am a license plate reader. Is there a customized name? What state is it from? Can I make something funny out of the acronym of letters on the plate in front of me? Well, I'm also an inveterate t-shirt reader. I think people share part of their identity by what t-shirt they're wearing. Did you really go to the University of Iowa? Oh, so you saw John Prine in concert? Are you really from South Carolina? Hey, I'm a Twins fan too. What, if anything, are folks trying to tell me, or anyone who's paying attention, by the t-shirts, the hats, the jackets, or hooded sweatshirts that they're wearing? What part of who they are, who they like, who they've seen, what they support, or who's supporting them, are they opening up to us? Hopefully, they're wearing a St. Peter's UCC logoed product from the Queensboro shirt store. On a larger scale, intensified and magnified over the past several years, I hear, at least I hear talking heads on TV ask, who are we as a country? That too is a question of identity, deeper than anything we might wear or say. People point to the separation of immigrant families seeking amnesty at the border and ask, is is this who we are now? Are we the kind of nation that turns its back on our combat allies when another country's leader asks us to? Are we the kind of land that no longer listens patiently to those we disagree with, gives a stranger the benefit of the doubt, or gets trapped into the divisiveness which says all groups are doing it and will not seek to rise above? Who are we in 2020? Well, there's a question, and it's cousins, for our people as well as elected officials. When it comes to the identity of who you and I are, we got our answer from Dan, or Jesus, in Matthew. We are the salt of the earth. That's who we are, according to our Lord and Savior. He We're the salt of the earth insofar as we're listening to him and following him. He did not say you should be the salt of the earth. You should be the salt of the earth. He did not say you you could be the salt of the earth. 
He said, using the plural form of the word you, you all are the salt of the earth. Later he talks about being the light of the world, reflecting God's light and love by our good deeds. Right here, though, let's stick with salt. One writer said, Christians are, by the simple fact that they are in contact with Jesus, the salt of the earth. Simply to hear Christ's word with faith is to be salted. Christians are not challenged to become salty. Their saltiness is a gift of the word. Jesus proclaimed, he pronounced, he declared, you are the salt of the earth. And that's a privilege. It's a kick. It's a blessing. Now, salt in and of itself is of no good for anybody. You have to get out of the salt shaker. You have to get out of the container, out of the bag, the salt truck, to fulfill the identity. A salt packet or a salt shaker can be a mere centimeter away from a plate of food, and it's worthless. Until it is liberated to be sprinkled out onto the food or the icy street. That means we are not intended to stay safe and sound behind church walls, although we need to come here together for spiritual and other kinds of growth. This is our our house. But we're supposed to be put to use. That's what salt is for. Well, considering this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching first the disciples and then those in the crowds below who are open to his influence, I think that Jesus means his people are to be useful, poured out even, for others. As F.W. Bruner wrote, salt does not exist for itself. Christians do not exist for themselves either. Salt's main purpose is penetration of food. Christians' main purpose is penetration of the earth. And by that I expect he means the earth's people. And therein lies the blessing. Therein lies the kick. For years I used to say, at least to myself, that to be used by God to bless someone else That's the best. This teaching of Jesus immediately follows the Beatitudes, his pronouncement of blessedness to the meek, the poor in spirit, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. And right after this, he continues the spirit of blessing when, as my good old friend Dr. Bruner, the commentator, said, Jesus now gives disciples the next best blessing of all. The knowledge that they are of use to the world. The deepest desire of Christians is to be used by God. Jesus here assures them that they are used by God and used in the widest possible scale. The salt of the earth, not just Galilee or Palestine. Being salt, our sermon title, Being salt is being used by Jesus to benefit others. It could be by bringing flavor to the world. The flavors of forgiveness, peacemaking, integrity-loving, 
of love and care for the earth while calling out unrighteousness of greed, hypocrisy, oppression, and covenant breaking. Being salt could also be being part of the work that salt also does, a work of preservation. Being salt could also be being part of the work that preserves what remains of grace and glory. We remember that salt is a preservative, the influence of the early Christian church revolutionized pagan Roman culture, strengthened what was best, and brought other flavors to it. It, brought, it revolutionized pagan Roman culture and society by being merciful. When in, in, the, in Jesus' day to be merciful was considered a weakness. Now, when I went to seminary in New Jersey, I'd get, get radio from New York and Boston, and I'd hear that when you're driving in the city of Boston, using a turn signal is considered a sign of weakness. <laughs> well, the Romans considered showing mercy a sign of weakness. And so, it also, and there were other impacts on society that preserved what could be preserved. Uh, The early Christian church revolutionized that same culture by protecting women and families from poverty, which came through easy divorces, which Jesus spoke against. By building hospitals and schools and living selfless lives. It kept society from developing into cold-hearted efficiency and expanded violence then. And one could argue that we salt are still needed to as the book of Revelation says, strengthen the things that remain. So, in addition to the Queensboro shirt store, letting people know that we're members and friends of St. Peter's, United Church of Christ in Skokie, an open and affirming congregation, what t-shirts ought we to wear? Those which say, salt. For according to Jesus, that is who we are. It's a core part of our God-loving identity that we're interested in sharing with those who look. We're ready to be poured out. Well, so yeah, maybe I went to see the Go-Go's at Ravinia. I graduated from the University of Minnesota. I've got got U of M shirts, T-shirts. But I really should be letting you know about me, experience from me eventually, if not immediately, is that in service to Jesus, I am among the salt of the earth. He said so. So who are we to argue? Well, salt, and I, I, I tried to explain this a little bit to the Sunday school this morning in chapel. Salt is grain upon grain upon grain upon grain together. That's how we flavor food, or how we melt ice, how salt preserves fish, meat, and get carved to make rock, salt rock candles. So one little old grain of salt does nothing. It takes a salt shaker. Or at least a pinch, right? At least a pinch. As one of my colleagues said at the cluster meeting Thursday morning, we are not lamps all by ourselves, or salt all by ourselves. It's not meant to be all on us as individuals alone. In church and in Bible language, being salt of the earth means being in covenant with each other. One grain of salt needs a whole bunch of other grains of salt together. We belong to each other. We pull for one another. 
We act in concert, even if we're not always on key. Because only really, like grains of salt, only in groups, only together, shall we fulfill together our Jesus-given identity and purpose to have an impact on the earth and on the earth's people. Here's a recent example. Many of you were made aware that in this year's budget discussions, the status of our contributions to OCWM, our church's wider mission, was unsettled. When you hear a mission moment that ends with me saying that this or that mission was made possible by gifts to OCWM, which in turn funds our part of the Global Ministries Partnership, that's our money at work, along with tens of thousands of other UCC congregations giving to OCWM. It's an expression of our covenant, of our working together across the nation to support our UCC ministries at home and abroad. The impact is wider and deeper and better organized the more that goes into it. We voted to keep our OCWM giving. We decided to keep accepting our covenanted role as SALT together, making an impact of blessing beyond Niles Township. That's just one recent example of SALT grains all together to be effective SALT, to flavor the earth with God's justice and love, to preserve and strengthen the gospel ministries that remain, and going back to the salt as ice melts, uh, it's also all together to melt the ice and snow of ignorance, apathy, unforgiveness, and cold-heartedness. We are the salt of the earth, we as a group, not just Ben, not just Marlene, not just Alice, not just David. It's not all on us. Being salt does not work that way. It's on all of us getting the blessing to be used by Jesus to bring the good news of grace and fairness to the world. Being salt is who we are, according to Jesus. It's an identity. Someone in the UCC's weekly Seeds Sermon Resource said, like that second generation of Christians in Matthew's community, we listen with the crowd to hear that we too are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. While Jesus is telling us who or what we are, these metaphors, salt, light, these metaphors are about what we do, how we do it, and the effect of what we do in the world. Being salt is who we are. But being salt is not only who we are according to the Lord, it is a blessing we're given. Being salt means we are to be used by God outside of ourselves, outside the church's walls, to penetrate not food, but the earth, the people, the societies of the earth, and our own local neighborhoods being used by God to bless others. Oh, you know, that's the best. It is not, And is it not really what we want down deep? Salt is not a grain alone, but grains all in covenant together going out of the salt shaker to do God's work. We cannot have an impact as a simple, single, single grain No room for ego here, not that there is no place for individual gifts and ministries 
organized or put front and center by or with predominantly one person. But that person still is an extension of the supportive saints out of the salt shaker. Being salt is a gift. We do not have to serve at the kitchen or help advance the rummage and bake sale with sorting and baking. We get to help each other do these things that are going to nourish and nurture others. Let me share with you one last thing, and it's a little bit of a a shift in looking at salt. I learned at the cluster meeting Thursday, uh, Tom Bauer, the Reverend Tom Bauer, pointed out to us that the molecular structure of salt, does anyone know, other than Jessica, because she learned this in chapel, and Mike, the molecular structure of salt is? It's a cube. That's the formula, right. But its structure, the shape of it, is a cube. And what can you do with cubes? Well, Ask any child who plays with blocks or a parent of a kid, you build with them. You can build bridges, for example. Salt can be used by our architect Jesus to build cubes, to build bridges of cubes to our unchurched communities, to our neighbor churches who are dealing with some of the same challenges St. Peter's is, to build bridges to the village as they have already been built somewhat to School District 69, and you can, to build bridges to other faith communities within Niles Township, to the LGBTQ plus folk surrounding us, and on and on. Some salty disciples may use their block structure to build walls. Well, when you build a wall, you may keep some people and some dangers out. Well, that can sometimes be a good thing. But, you know, not all dangers and risks come from the outside. A bad result of a wall is you and I keep our guarded hearts from reaching out or being touched by those who would come in to bless. You know, as I was writing, I was about to reference John Lennon's album, Walls and Bridges. And he said, well, you know, walls divide and bridges connect. But instead... I refer to Amy Grant's album, Unguarded, and the title track is about her unguarded heart, and it asks God to help her keep her heart unguarded, open, defenses down so she can receive needed love from God and others. Bridges. Being salt. We are the salt of the earth. We are. And of the earth, it's a gift. It's a gift of being in covenant in order to fulfill our purposes of making an impact on earth's people. We're not in this alone. The cubed shape of salt's structure inspires us to be builders of bridges, builders of love, of understanding, of peace, which are ways of flavoring our world with God and preserving, strengthening the Christ-honoring things which remain. Being salt, that's good news. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. 
about being salt. My apologies. I did not realize that our elector didn't succeed in recording the gospel lesson, which is Matthew 5, verses 13 through 20, where Jesus declares, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world, and a city you know, set on a hill cannot be hid. And there were some verses after that, that which the sermon did not touch on at all. So I apologize. There should have been a gospel lesson. Somehow it uh, did not record. And, but I thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again. And may you all have a blessed week.